it made me understand that I have to be a different person when I put my helmet on than I am out of the car. So that was the biggest mm-hmm. one was like, man, this is not a game. Like, you know, this is, this is how I hope to put food on my, you know, family's table one day. Right. And, and so I have to go do this or someone else is going to come take my job. Our guest today on the podcast is Harrison Burton. He's a young 22-year-old guy who's already made it to the highest level of the NASCAR sport, the Cup Series. He's the son of Jeff Burton, a Hall of Famer, uh, nephew of Ward Burton, another Cup racer. So he grew up at the racetrack. He races for the oldest team in the sport, the Wood Brothers Racing Team. And we just have a, a really honest, candid discussion about what it takes to become a cup driver uh, from his unique perspective. So if you guys enjoy this podcast, share it with some friends, give it a rating. That's the only way this thing's going to grow. Enjoy. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, absolutely. Friday Friday before a race. Yeah, all good. Uh, Most guys, I have to ask, because most of the guys are usually kind of first-generation racers, and I, I ask them, you know, when did you get into racing? How did you get into racing? Who exposed you? What was it? But you were like born at the racetrack. Like you were going to the races pretty much every weekend when you were little. Like, what was that like? That was just normal for you? Yeah, it was just normal. Um, yeah, I think my parents, my dad in particular, did a good job of just being a normal dad. You know, like, uh, you know, he he just had a, a different job than most other guys, and and. It was, uh, other than that, it was pretty normal. Felt normal growing up. You know, I went to my first race when I was like two weeks old or something probably. So yeah, I don't remember like what got me into it or I don't really remember what even the first time I started getting interested in it. It was just always kind of in my life. So, uh, you know, it's pretty cool that that it, it worked out that way because I, I got to kind of have just a normal childhood as well. Like where I just went to normal, you know, high school, even when I was racing trucks, I was in high school and, and, uh, yeah, that was, that was cool. I thought that was, that was the way to do it, honestly, instead of being just homeschooled and being only racing, I feel like I got to, you know, experience a lot of cool things and just enjoy going to high school for a while. And, um, yeah, now I'm, now I'm definitely fully in the racing world. Right. Was it, I mean, I guess you didn't know any different, but was your did it feel like your dad was away a lot or because it was only weekends did it feel pretty normal and he was kind of just like a different schedule than most other dads who work during the week he was definitely away a lot um Mm. you know he was he back then they tested a lot so they would you know now we just kind of go on fridays and are back on sundays and so it, it and you know obviously you go to the shop and do things and so you're staying busy throughout the week but you're home right i think back then they tested so much that it kind of kept it to where he was gone quite a bit. Um, mm. And plus I was racing too. Like when I was younger, um, you know, me and my mom would go to the racetrack together and, and my dad would be off somewhere testing or racing or, or doing whatever. Um, and, and he'll, you know, be the first to tell you that like, and, and it sounds like kind of horrible, but it's, it doesn't to us, like our family, it doesn't really sound that way, but you know, racing came first. That was, that was the way he provided for our family. That was the way he, um, you know, did the, the things that he did and, and, uh, came first to him. It, it was, you know, the first priority and, and that's kind of how it has to be as a professional athlete. And you just have to have the, I think the people around you that, 
you know, uh, support you enough to be able to do that. So he was definitely, you know, fully ingrained into racing and he, he got a, a good reputation around the garage for that because I think people remember him as just being a hard worker and always being there. And, and, uh, that's probably the thing, honestly, I, you know, when I was a little kid, it was kind of like, Oh man, you know, and I was never like, Oh, I miss my dad. I wish he was around more often, but you know, you do wish, you know, your dad could come hang out more. Right. Obviously. Uh, but then, you know, I, as I've gotten older, I, that's honestly been one of my favorite things about my dad is his work ethic and something I want to kind of emulate. Yeah, it's funny. I, I, I don't know what I was listening to. I heard someone say it like when you're when you're pretty young, all you want is your your dad's or your parents attention. But then the second you kind of become an adolescent or a teenager, you know, what you really crave and need is is a good role model, mm -hmm. and like someone who's there like working hard and you know what you should be. So um, that, you know, sounds like he was definitely a good role model as, as certainly as a professional race car driver, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, really in everything. I think the way he treated my mom, my sister, me, uh, you know, the, the way that he handled, I think himself on the racetrack, off the racetrack, uh, all that. I think he was a great guy to just kind of lead by example. He never really had to tell me how to act or how to, you know, if you're doing an interview, do this, do that. It, it was just, mm -hmm. uh, I just wanted to do what he did for a while. Right now I'm kind of my, I'm old enough to be my own man. Right. And, and figure it out myself and make my own mistakes. But, uh, I was fortunate. I got to, you know, kind of watch my dad and learn from the mistakes he made. So what was, uh, you started racing pretty young. What was the, uh, I guess, you know, looking back on it, what, what was the thought process? I'm sure your dad was pretty intentional about where he started you. Uh, what did you start racing? Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was, I don't, I don't, I don't know if it was super intentional or not, or he knew that, um, you know, it was just nearby. There was a quarter midget track really close to my house. Uh, so I got into quarter midget racing when I was like five or six or five. Mm -hmm. I, I started kind of bugging my parents. I want to drive race cars. And, and uh, you know, at a, that young of an age, it's kind of probably hard to find the right thing to do that in. So uh, got me into a quarter midget, uh, ran those till I was 11 or so. So, um, you know, racing that for a long time. And, and that was, that was fun. You know, that was when racing was just really just fun. Um, you know, it got kind of serious at the end. There was this, uh, national tour circuit deal where, you know, you would race all over the country and, and, uh, and go for like a big championship. And, and that's when it got serious. It's like my last two years of doing it. But other than that, it was just kind of local races and, um, you know, me and my dad would show up and, and just, or my mom, most of the time, really, honestly, would, would show up and just go and, and someone would have to push me off and then I'd go racing. So, uh, it was a, it was a pretty fun way to, to grow up for sure. That seemed, do you, did you race against Trayton Lapsovich? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause I had him on the other week. He came up here and we were talking about that and how crazy that those quarter midgets were and how, you know, competitive it was. Yeah. It, it was, man. And, 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 you know, the, when I was getting older in the quarter midget deal, it was like very competitive. Uh, you know, there's hundreds of cars showing up to certain events and, you know, like a F main and, and a G main, <laughs> like you had to work your way through all the way to the A main. Right. So, um, you know, it, it got pretty crazy, got out of hand, like any racing does where, you know, everyone wants to win. And so it gets, gets kind of overboard. And, and sometimes I feel like, 
you can lose what makes it fun when you do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't feel like that's happened for me yet, but I could see how that certainly would happen. You know, what, what makes racing fun to me is the competition and, and, you know, just having fun and enjoying it. And, and then, uh, <laughs> and then, you know, you, you can take it as a job sometimes and, and lose some of that. Sure. Where did you, so you're 11, where did you go after that? This is a, I'm probably ill-advised. I went straight to a late model when I was 11. So that was weird. Um, My first race, I, uh, I was a little, obviously I was a little dude. Like I I didn't grow very much. I'm not tall anyway, but like I, I didn't grow till I was probably, you know, in uh, like 14, 15, I hit my last kind of growth spurt and, and, and so I was like five foot two, right? Just a little guy. Yeah. Late model racing is a real deal. You know, that's what people do for, you know, their whole lives and, and take for a it living seriously. Some guys. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. For a living. And, you know, you're the little kid rolling up, right? And, and so I, my first race, I adored this guy on the backstretch, not on purpose, but just because I didn't know how like wide my car was. Yeah, yeah. And he came up wanting to fight and yelling at me. <laughs> and I got it out of my car, like, had a helmet on so he didn't know how old I was or whatever I got out of my car and I'm like five foot two and 11 and just walked the other way right but like you know so that was like my first race like okay this is a lot more serious than uh than quarter midget racing you know we're, we're getting ready to fight an adult man <laughs> so this, is, this is a different world for sure wow that's a big jump especially down like down where you are where late model racing is so competitive it's yeah. kind of the center of the world for it that is a, uh, that's a big jump. And was that your dad saying, Hey, this is, you know, you're going to be running a full size car. You may as well jump in right now. Yeah. So, uh, we messed around, thought about doing the legend car stuff. Um, mm-hmm. tested those a few times, really fun cars to drive. Um, uh, but this, the tracks all, you know, for the legend cars, I don't know if it's still this way. Uh, but back then it was almost all the same tracks that you would go run a late model on. And, mm-hmm. uh, for him, he thought, you know, number one, he thought the late model would probably be safer um yeah. just because you know legend car at you know a, a quarter mile or half mile racetrack i mean it's pretty fast so um that almost would have been probably too fast for me at that age and then uh it seemed backwards but i feel like it was the right move to, to get me into a late model just because you know I, and, and you don't have to buy everything twice you don't have to go through a whole legend car deal and, and do that for a few years and then buy a late model stuff you know you can kind of just get in and have dumb 11 year old me tear it up a couple times and and then we'll hopefully stop wrecking right yeah i mean yeah dude the legends cars are fast i think my my only concussion ever i crashed a legends car super hard put my feet through the firewall oh. like walked in a circle oh yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, I i yeah they're fast man and, and uh they're hard to drive too so i i felt like it was probably probably the right thing to do yeah ended up it ended up working out i guess so did you have some pretty decent success in the quarter midget? Like as you're jumping, making this big jump, you've got some confidence? Yeah, yeah. You know, won a couple of national championships in the quarter midget and, and uh, you know, won a lot of races. And, and, and uh, yeah, at that point, you know, I was almost too confident. Like, sure, yeah. uh, you know, it was, it was pretty crazy. We, we went to the quarter midget track and uh, it was me, my buddy, Mark Miller, we we're kind of like teammates, right? And uh his quarter midgets were, you know, in the same trailer as mine. His dad helped work on them, and and his da- his dad and my dad kind of became friends. And uh, if we went to the racetrack and neither one of us won, it was pretty rare. Like, so mm-hmm. I, you know, I expected like, okay, winning is what's supposed to happen, right? And then 
went to eight models and it took me probably three years to win like consistently you know i won yeah. my first race when i was 12 uh but it took me a long time to get to where i could contend to win you know and 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 even in the bigger races it took me even longer right you go to the snowball derby or somewhere like that and uh you know there's just so much competition there and and uh that was humbling for a while for sure so i came it came out of quarter midgets and, you know, I thought, man, I, you know, I, I feel like I can win these late model races right off the jump and then uh, got humbled pretty quickly, which was good. Um, you know, I feel like that <laughs> helped me out for sure to, to go through something and understand, OK, there's a there's levels to the game and, and and that I was not ready for. I was really truthfully, I was probably not ready for late model racing. You're right. You're, you're never ready when you run something for the first time. but. No. I didn't feel ready after my first race. I finished like eighth or ninth, which was really good. But, you know, I knew that I had made some mistakes and uh, took away some of my confidence. So um, I had a lot of confidence going in and, and less after the first few races, for sure. Sure. When did, and maybe it was happening earlier, maybe it was happening much later. When When were you having these discussions? And I'm assuming they were with your dad about, the potential of making a living or this is what a path might look like kind of deal. Like, Hey, like, you know, it's no secret. You're going to have a great opportunity here because of who your dad and your uncle are. You know, if, if things go well, this is the path. When did that kind of conversation happen? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if there's ever been, I think the first few times that that started happening, uh, I was in K&N already. Um, okay. And, and so I went through the late model deal and, and I was still racing late models when I was racing K&N, now ARCA. Uh, yep. uh, but, you know, I, that was a, a really high level of racing as well. And, and I didn't win for my first year in K&N in East. It was like, you know, a lot of good guys were in there, a couple cup guys in there, uh, yep. nowadays cup guys. And, and uh, I didn't win my first year. And then my second year, I started winning quite a bit. Um, and I think that's when it started to kind of get serious and kind of become a job because, you know, after that, you know, it's trucks and that's a, you know, really high level as well of racing. And, and, uh, you know, that's a, uh, that's a professional, that's the, you know, that's one of the highest levels of stock car racing there is. So, um, totally. once those, once those opportunities started to be talked about, that's kind of when it became, to me, it became, okay, this is how I hope I can make my living. You know, I didn't really... Yeah think i wanted to and and i wanted to race cup one day i think everyone does right it's like oh man i just hope i can do this but it wasn't like serious it was just kind of like talking right and then all of a sudden you get in trucks and you're like man i, I hope i can run well enough here to to you know impress people and and just run well to run well in trucks is is an accomplishment on its own um you know got the xfinity deal and and once i started winning xfinity races that was uh that was when things were very serious, you know, and, and they were for really as soon as I got through trucks and, and to Xfinity, it was at that point my full-time job and really all I focused on. Right. You signed, uh, like you, you brought sponsors kind of along since you were young. Tell me about that. How did that happen and how important is that for a race car driver? Oh, that so I've been been sponsored by uh Dex Imaging since I was thirteen years old in late models. And uh man, that that is really to, without them I'm not 
racing in cup. I'm not here. And, and the perception is that my dad paid for everything and, and, and which is fine, but like, man, it, it, the, <laughs> the amount of money it would take to, to run a, a cup car, right? Like my dad can't do that or, or Xfinity ride. He, he couldn't do yeah, that. Can't. Or, yeah. yeah. So, um, without Dex imaging and, and, from really day one, they've kind of believed in me, and and uh, that's been really crazy, honestly. Uh, it happened because my dad is friends with a guy that builds fishing boats, um, okay. and he built their boat and kind of connected them, and I think they went fishing one time. Um, and my dad's late. My dad ran his late model team like it was his race team, right? And so when I was too young to run a race. Uh, we'd have a guy that helped us, Brandon McReynolds, Larry McReynolds' son, uh, yep. uh, worked on, on my late model growing up and, uh, he would drive it as well when I was too young to run something. So he raced it at the snowflake, uh, which is like the pro late model race before the snowball derby. And that was the first race Dex Imaging ever sponsored. And they're out of Tampa. So it was in Florida. Um, and then probably two years later they started sponsoring me in late models and so it was this kind of slow process of kind of building a relationship and um now those those like those guys at dex are, are like family it's it's been really really cool how it's all worked out it, it's been definitely kind of just dumb luck right you meet through a friend of a friend and uh your interests align and, and you get along good and then it's not really about you know hey do you want to sponsor my son it's just hey you know we're we're gonna talk to each other, be friends. And then eventually that, that stuff started to come and, and, uh, it's been pretty, pretty lucky for me for sure that it worked out that way. Right. I think, uh, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of the times people get hung up on either talent or money, but it, it, it takes both. You know, if you, if you show up with all the talent in the world, uh, having never got the opportunity to showcase it in good equipment because you weren't able to bring a sponsor or bring family money, you're not going anywhere. And, no, exactly. Vice yeah. versa. You can buy, you know, one or two rides in really good equipment, but if you got no talent, you're not going to stay there either. Yeah, it's it's been interesting. And, and that's what the cool thing about, I think for me, like in Xfinity, there's still, you know, a lot of sponsor rides, uh, trucks, there's that. And, and, you know, Arca, there's that. And Cup, it's not really, at least in my experience, it's not really how it's worked. Uh, it's been, are you good enough? Yeah. Are you not? And, and can you, obviously, can you be marketable? Can you help us get sponsors? Can you do this? Can you do that? That's a huge part. Mm. Uh, but once you get to cup, it becomes a lot more kind of, uh, that stuff is, is more out of it. Obviously there's a huge factor in it, right? Like Dex Imaging sponsors some of my races in cup. They are a huge part of me racing, um, and, and are going to continue to be, but you know, at this point, you have it, it, it. You know, when you race for a team, it's like the Wood Brothers have been around forever. They're they're not going to just have somebody in the car to have somebody in the car. They want they want to have someone that they think can do a good job. So if I don't do my job, you know, I'm gonna lose my ride, and and that's yep. kind of how it should be, right? Yeah. No, absolutely. I think I get the perception, anyways, that you know, maybe there's maybe there's one or two seats in really good Xfinity teams that are based purely on talent, but in cup it's, can you get the job done? And it's a cherry on top if you can bring a sponsor. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's been my experience. Uh, 
you know, and, and some people might have different ones. I'm a young guy. It's only my second year in, right? So I don't know the ins and outs as well as some other veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, but but that's definitely been my experience. And, and I will say this, too. Uh, when you get to Cup, the first few races are really eye-opening because mm-hmm. there's a public perception of, like, oh, this guy is not very good. And and I'm not going to you know name a name, but you can think yeah. of the guys that fans are like, oh, this guy is not that great. He's there because he's got a sponsor or whatever. And so you go into Cup and you're like, yeah, I have that same perception. Like, this guy's just not going to be very good. That dude will <laughs> whoop your tail. Like, I'm telling you, man, it is a different world. And, and uh, that's been awesome to see. Like, dude, the, the, the people that you think, man, this guy's just kind of not done much and, and maybe he's won a few cup races, but like recently he's not done much. He must not be very good. And you race him, you're like, holy cow, these guys are good. So uh, that's been that's been awesome to see. That's been a, a frustrating experience because you obviously are learning because these guys are good and you have to kind of step your game up. But it's also been really cool to see how good some of these cup guys are and, and uh, trying to beat them is really fun. Right. So going, I want to. I got a bunch of bunch of questions that I'm so curious on for the cup stuff, but I want to I want to go yeah. back and not kind of skip over your younger days. So you were going to the track a whole bunch uh, with your mom and whoever was kind of looking after, like the team, and your dad was racing up. Well, did he race full time up until like 14? Yeah, yeah, he okay. was full time. I think till 14. Yeah. Okay. So he wasn't there a bunch, but I'm sure he had a lot of feedback or you guys, what, what was he like as far as, was he hard on you? Was he easy on you? How, how like, how did that relationship go? He was pretty hard on me, uh, which was good. Uh, he was, he was pretty hard on me, man. He was that dad that like when you're at a football game and he's got the other, he's got his kid by the face mask, kind of yelling him. Yelling <laughs> at him. That was my dad. Uh, okay. It was, uh, it was always this sequence, right? I would screw up in the in the quarter midget or whatever. My dad would yell at me. I would, you know, be sitting there just listening to him, right? Because what are you going to do? Your dad's yelling at you. You can't really talk back. And then my mom would yell at my dad for yelling at me. And then they would yell. And then he'd get back to me. So it was always that, like, if they were both at the racetrack, there was always me and him would yell. And then my mom would yell. And then it was, like, a, a big deal. So he's very intense, man. And, and, uh, and, my uh i knew i didn't know that he was intense until probably like my like i was probably seven or eight and we're testing this at at the quarter midget track we're just you know making laps and um i sat in the car for probably like four hours five hours and my dad didn't really let me out of the car um my grandpa who's like a vietnam vet right toughest guy i've ever met in my life he was a frontline medic in vietnam is is done and seen a lot of crazy things and um when he started getting worried about me and started saying hey like why don't you let him out of the car and all this and all that i was like okay maybe my dad is hard on me if, if he's worried about me I, I must be really going through it right now so um yeah that that was uh probably the first time i was like man i think i think my dad's harder on me than other other dads so um it, wow. it was but it was good and and it was never like in a way of like oh you're an idiot or this or that it was Hey man, we have to do this better. Here's why. Here's how. And if it needed to be an intense way that he delivered that, then it that's what it turned into. And um, you know, he's still the same way right now. He spotted for me last weekend at Coda, 
Mm. And it was like, just like the old days, man. He, you know, yelling and, and getting intense. And, uh, you know, I, I kind of feed off it. I enjoy it. Right. Right. That's good, man. Getting sat in a car for four or five hours. I struggle for like an hour and a half. Oh, it was bad. Yeah, it was a bad <laughs> deal. <laughs> hmm. So, man, Coda last weekend, since you mentioned it, it was nuts. Like, corner one is just silly. Yeah. Oh. Uh, I love that track. Like, it's it's cool that they're racing cup cars now on, like, a proper FIA modern, like, Formula One track. Mm-hmm. It's a serious road course track. Was it... Was it cool at all in your mind to be racing against those F1 guys or are you such a NASCAR guy that it's like cool once you got to cup just to be running against the cup guys? For me, I didn't really get into F1 very much until more recently. Um, yeah. And so I watched Kimmy a lot. My dad's favorite driver was uh, Jensen Button in F1. So that was kind of cool. Uh, he always rooted for Jensen Button. I don't know why, but whenever they were racing and, and those races would come on, you know, and, and this is back when Jensen was racing. So, uh, you know, full time. And, and uh, so it was probably like, what, 2008, 2009 that he was in yep. there. And um, my dad would cheer for him for, for whatever reason. Uh, so that was cool. That he came over. Um, but, man, I got to race. I had a I was just so frustrated at Coda. We we're pretty decent, had a good car and, uh, first gear dropped out of it. So I only was second gear and up, uh, code is a lot of first gear corners. So I would like run people down and then would get to a hairpin and just like get driven away from. And so, uh, I didn't get to really race a whole lot of people. Um, just because it, you know, I was kind of just on my own. It went green for a long time and, uh, kind of got separated. So, uh, I wish I could have kind of, mixed it up with with Kimmy and and Jensen I did Kimmy did absolutely door me once which I thought was hilarious uh I I forget what happened on a restart or something and uh, I was going through the S's and Kimmy just hooked it right on me and I I actually laughed because I was like man he's just really getting into the NASCAR deal huh like he was he was getting aggressive so that was cool to see and uh those guys seemed to enjoy it man It, it was honestly like one of the most chaotic things to be a part of at the end of it mm-hmm. um you know and and obviously there was a lot of just carnage and just people doing crazy stuff and uh yeah but you know that part of it I, I can't decide if i'm like oh that's cool that's what we should be doing we're racing hard and and we're gonna or or if i'm like yeah that's over the line so i'm kind of you know on the fence on that whole ending but the f1 guys seemed to enjoy it they were all like pumped up about it so that was uh that was surprising yeah how much because you've driven both kinds of cars now the new cup car and like for people who don't know just tell me if i'm out of line here it's a lot more like a sports car than than the xfinity what the old car was or the xfinity or truck yeah definitely um, so how like do you think in my eyes anyways now there's going to be more guys like Jordan Taylor or sports car guys or guys who have run stuff that's more similar they're going to feel a little bit more confident trying to trying to put a ride together for a road course saying hey I might be able to do this whereas jumping into the old style car was like you've got no hope yeah, it is. It is more similar to a modern sports car. I, I ran a GT4 race earlier this year, and um, I felt like, you know, obviously there's no ABS, there's no traction control or anything like that in the new cup car, but I felt like it was 
similarly like capable. Like I could run the same center corner speed. I could do the same sort of stuff. And I'm like, okay, yeah, like feel like I'm kind of, this is more in line, right. With maybe what in the old car, it was like driving, you know, it drove like a semi truck. It was slow and rolled over and locked up the brakes every time he tried to, to really get into a corner. And, um, I think that's the biggest thing now is the braking is so much better on this car compared to the old car um, that it makes those guys feel at home where they can kind of get aggressive on the brake pedal and, and get a bit of a, a big uh, initial first spike and, and um, you know, the car will handle it. So um, that and, and with the independent rear suspension, you don't get the horrible wheel hop um, yep. like the old cars would get. And, and so it kind of takes out some of that, like, learning period of some things that the, the NASCAR guys are like, Oh yeah, I've had to deal with that for a long time where, you know, I don't know if Jordan's ever had to deal with like a, a car that wheel hops like the old cup cars would. So, um, yeah, I, I think so. I think it's definitely closed that gap some. And, um, you know, we see it with Kimmy running, he ran pretty decent at Watkins Glen last year and, yeah, uh, yeah. Jordan was flying and qualifying. So, um, yeah, those, those guys definitely, I think, especially after how Jordan qualified and practiced, I think, you know, and he raced well too. I think that, uh, those guys will definitely feel more confident. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm super excited to see. Um, so going back, you, you never, did you ever run full-time trucks or just kind of a couple part-time deals? Yeah, I was, I was one year full-time trucks. Okay. Um, okay. and then to Xfinity after that. It, from my eyes, from, you know, a thousand foot view, you kind of maybe struggled a little bit in trucks, but really found your way in the Xfinity, like started really winning some races. Was that, what do you attribute that to? Like, was that, was that confidence or was that just team and everything meshing and equipment? I mean, I had a, I had a, a really fast truck uh, when I ran trucks. I just think I wasn't uh, ready, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like I got there and, and you know, I expected to win a lot of races and expected all this and all that. And, and it didn't really go that way to start and just didn't have the, the, you know, race craft I needed. I could be fast. I could go and, and run fast lap times, but I was not aggressive enough. And I wasn't really, especially on the mile and a half, so wasn't really confident in how to drive those trucks. And, uh, you know, I was a young kid and, and, uh, you know, made some mistakes along the way. And, um, then in the Xfinity car, that that coming off of that year in trucks where I was, you know, had super high expectations, wanted to win a championship in my first year, like, you know, expected to almost go out and just dominate. Didn't do that at all. Like didn't win a single race, you know, didn't run as good as I should have. Uh, and then going to Xfinity, having had that experience, I think it, it made me better. It, it kind of grew me as a race car driver because I was, now I understood, okay, this is the big leagues. This is a professional racing. I have to go to work. And so that mm. whole off season, I just went to work and, and that whole season, um, you know, I had a great crew chief, had a great car. Um, and, and yeah, it worked out good. It, 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 uh, you know, I think that bad year in trucks was probably one of the lowest points in my whole, uh, career. Like mentally I was not handling it well, uh, you know, running bad and then being like, seven, you know, 18 years old. And, and, you know, I was uh, way into reading social media stuff. And so I was like reading stuff. Everyone's like, Oh, you're not good enough. And I, man, I took it to heart. So uh, now that stuff, I just laugh at it. Like I don't, it doesn't bother me at all. But back then it used to bother me. And so, yeah. 
yeah, I just, I just wasn't really emotionally ready to handle all that yet. And so it all kind of crept up on me. And then after that, I kind of toughened up and uh, got better from it. And, and that's, I think where the success come from came from after was more so just um, me growing as a, as a, as a person and as, as a driver. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, now, like every year that I get older, I'm more in tune with what each like race and session is going to teach me. Like there's going to be a lesson on, on almost mm-hmm. every time you go out and uh, especially jumping into something like that's, you know, a, a new car or like a new track you've never been on. Um, you know, you go home and you've got all these regrets and you look back and you're like, man, like, I, you know, I can't believe I did that or, or whatever. And I've had some serious like quantum leaps, like real understandings, like, oh shit. Like I was, I was simply just overdriving it the whole mm-hmm. time, overdriving it. What, uh, you must've had a bunch of those kind of like mental downloads between trucks and Xfinity or Xfinity and cup. Like, can you speak to that a little bit? What are some of those big, yeah. big learning sessions? Yeah. I think, uh, from trucks to Xfinity, I think, uh, the biggest one for me was just understanding that if I didn't run well in Xfinity, that, you know, I I was in a a do or die mindset. And I think that that was a good thing for me. I think that brought some, some intensity out of me that, you know, I'm a pretty calm guy, normally a nice guy. Um, That, that year I got into a fist fight on pit road and I was, you know, racing hard and, and uh, you know, there was a lot of stuff that was like, Oh, that's not, how I expected Harrison to do this or do that. And um, I think it, it made me understand that I have to be a different person when I put my helmet on than I am out of the car. So that was the biggest mm-hmm. one was like, man, this is not a game. Like, you know, this is, this is how I hope to put food on my, you know, family's table one day. Right. And, and so I have to go do this or someone else is going to come take my job. And so yep. that, that kind of, from trucks to Xfinity, it became, this isn't really a game anymore. And, and my confidence was low, but my, I think my intensity and my work ethic was high and, uh, you know, got results because of that. And then from Xfinity to cup, I almost last year, not, I did not expect to go and dominate in cup on my first year. Right. Like that wasn't the problem. I didn't have the same problem I had in trucks, but I think that I did not in, kind of anticipate the car to be as different as it was i figured out mm. it's a race car and and you know i'll just drive it the same way and we'll see if if it can make it work and and um it took me a long time to really the the hard thing is now you know we get 20 minutes of practice qualify and then go race and so you don't really have a chance to like try stuff and and so for me like i just started trying things and and understanding to learn you know, I have to learn at some point, right? I can't just yep. go out here and try and replicate someone else's throttle trace every single time and, and hope for the best. I, I think, I, you know, at some point I have to drive the car myself, if that makes sense. Yeah. And so um, started doing that and, and found some speed at the end of last year and, um, you know, feel like that's going to carry into this year some. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's been super tough and, and uh, you know, I haven't had the results I wanted so far in Cup, but uh, I think that's coming and in, in, in a similar sense to the way it did in, in trucks. I think those years that you have the down years, I think, are, are ones that kind of grow you and actually make you better. When you're winning all the time, it's like, OK, I'm doing what I need to be doing. This is good. And then you don't really 
find yourself reflecting on what I need to do better as much, or at least I didn't. Um, yeah. And then now it's it's every weekend. What can I do every day? I wake up. What can I do to be a better race car driver? And and you know, see where it goes from there. Where do you see, uh, or maybe you've already collected it, but where is that low hanging fruit? Uh, you know, is it on the simulator? Is it looking at a bunch of data? Is it watching races? Is it trying to ask questions of guys and get honest answers? Where Where is that for you? So for me, I think it's, it's all that is important. Uh, but I think I got in the cup and you have all these resources, right? You have mm. people sending you data left and right. You have engineers that are dedicated to this and that, and you can go to them and ask questions and learn about things. Um, and so I just kind of was like, yes, give me all the information. And I wasn't really a leader. I just kind of was like, yep, this is what, you know, if you have the information, give it to me. And I'm not really going to tailor it to me until you already give it to me. And then I will like go from there. Right. And sure. so now I'm starting to learn that some of these things is just, you know, you're just overloading yourself with information. And at some point you just have to understand that driving a race car is more of an art than it is you know, exercising engineering, right? And so um, as a as a driver, I've started to just kind of think, okay, I need to kind of dumb it down, if that makes sense, right? Like, I don't yeah. need to be thinking about all these little things. I just need to understand, okay, I need to carry entry speed here because of this. Just kind of go back to the basics. And, um, you know, last weekend, kind of did that at Coda for the, you know, one of the first times I feel like where just kind of slowed everything down and say, okay, just tell me where I'm getting beat and I will figure out how to be better there. Yeah. Um, and, and kind of did that, uh, and, and found success, qualified decent practice, decent, you know, the race went how it did with the first gear problem, but I felt more confident because I felt like I was the one in the driver's seat of changing my, you know, techniques or whatever it might be, instead of having someone come over the radio and say, Hey, you know, Joey Logano is is rolling out of the throttle to this percentage and then using this much brake. Uh, you know, try that. Instead it's hey, Joey is gonna is beating you by a tenth here, find it. And then I go and find it as as a driver. And so uh all that information is amazing and, and it's great stuff, I think, after or before races, but in the heat of the battle, I think getting that out of your mind, I think, has been a gain for me. Yeah, I com I completely agree. Yeah, like after and before, that's that's one thing. But racing, I think you said it really well. Like it is an art. Like it is like a like a dance. Like you're on the edge. You can't you can't be running your you know analytical mind at the same time as trying to just wheel the car with your you know the seat of your pants. Yeah, exactly. No and and, and yeah. I found that another thing that where the low hanging fruit is for me is the mental side of the game. I found that I can drive the car when you put me in a situation where everything is on the line for some reason and i feel like i'm driving the car 100 percent all the time but whenever yeah. there's a, everything on the line i always find more and yeah. so it's like what am i doing mentally to do that what okay. what spot am i in to find that and do that all race long because that's you know in cup that's what you need to do man you need to be just set on kill for the whole race and it is the most aggressive racing series I've ever been in and with the most talented guys I've ever raced against. And dude, you, you just have to be just so switched on the whole race. And so, you know, you, you get in and, and you can find yourself in a 500 mile race 
you know, kind of losing some of that edge and some of that intensity at some point. And for me, I have to find a way to get back into that mindset of, you know, this is for everything. This is on the line and, and, and kind of create scenarios in my head almost. It's, it's weird, but, um, is that with the help of a sports psychologist? So I, I did that. Uh, I did that for a while. I had a sports psychologist, uh, awesome guy was really helpful. And then at some point I was like, at some point, it kind of, to me, became, I need to find a way to do this on my own, if that makes mm. sense. Because yeah. I, I felt like with, I felt like people that haven't driven a race car, and this might sound dumb, but like don't understand what it's like and don't understand where that comes from. And, and, and I just, I don't know, I, I've kind of weaned off of that. I don't know if that's the right thing or the wrong thing, but I found myself being like, I just, I want to find a way to do it myself and have it sustainable that way. So Mm. I've got the tools that were given to me by an awesome guy um, who helped me quite a bit through some other things as well. And and so uh, it was not like, oh, I I don't like working with this person. It was just, you know, I want to find a way to create that intensity and and pull that out of me in my own way. And, And at some point, someone kind of telling me to do it wasn't helping. Um, I think I, I needed to find a way to, to do it myself and, and, um, you know, we'll see if that was the right move or not, I guess. But, um, you know, I, I, I think it's a great tool to have one and I, I'm not sitting on here and saying, don't get a sports psychologist. But for me right now, I feel like I wanted to find some, some other place to pull that out of me. For sure. For sure. I mean, You've been you've been doing it so long. You've got so many reps. Like, I I jump in a car, you know, a handful. If I run a whole season, it's twelve races, right? Yeah, pretty short races. And being and I don't know if it's just being a Canadian guy or whatnot, but the heat absolutely murders me. What oh, yeah. do you What do you do to train for the heat? Do you heat specific adapt, or is it just more working out for your heart rate? So I've I've done the the heat uh, adaptation training uh, when I was driving for Toyota. There was a they had a uh, a room in their gym that was, uh, yeah, they would turn the heat up to, you know, 110 and you would go work out in there and it was mm. not fun, but it was pretty useful. Um, and now at, at you know, I, I'm not in that gym anymore, obviously I raced for Ford. Um, and so I'm at a, a different gym and, and instead of doing that, I just go out on, you know, on a hot day and go run for nine miles. And I've found that for me, that's almost worked better because I'm so much more focused on just being in good shape and getting my heart rate uh, down. Um, And you're really kind of accomplishing the same goal. So I think for me, either one works, Um, both have their benefits and, and, and uh, also their drawbacks. I thought I was kind of drawing myself out a little bit doing the heat stuff so much Hmm. where you're just kind of killing your body. You know, it, it can only take but so much of, of kind of that dehydration and, and you lose so much fluids in during the week doing that, that you kind of are like, man, I got to really work to put them back in. If you don't do that the right way, you'll find yourself getting in trouble. Um, so just, I kind of just work out normally now. I I do a lot of, uh, you know, high intensity cardio workouts and that's about it. Just kind of go, go about, uh, racing. And, and I found the biggest thing is just hydrating. Like, uh, there's a couple products that I use, like, or Pedialyte or anything like that, where I'll drink one of those in like three or four waters. And, yeah. uh, you know, I've found that that changes 
the game, man. If you're well hydrated, it makes everything so much easier. Yeah, I don't think people realize how much like salt and magnesium you need to actually cool. be hydrated. Yeah. Just drinking a lot of water will actually dehydrate you. Right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I do a lot of the, the, the high sodium stuff. And uh, there was one thing I used for a long time. It doesn't taste good at all, but it worked awesome. It was called uh, the right stuff. Um, okay. It's super high sodium. Tasted like you were drinking something out of the ocean. Yeah. Uh, but then if you do that and then, you know, drink a couple waters right after that, man, you feel really good. So um, I found a few things that kind of helped me for that for sure. Right on. You were working out. I saw on social media. Was that is that Stenhouse's like gym or whatever? Like yeah. it's like a CrossFit style deal. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I go there and uh, you know and, and work out with a, a group of drivers. It's been fun. I I find myself working out a lot harder when there's other drivers around, and mm. uh, a lot of them are my buddies too. So it you know it works out that it's more fun that way. Um, but you know that was something that I really wanted to find was kind of a group of other people that I worked out with and, and got along well with. And, um, you know, once I, I went to Ford, I, I kind of worked on finding that and I was really happy. Stenhouse's place is awesome. It's, it's not really anything like the gym isn't anything special. It's just, you know, a, a wooden building and, um, some, some free weights and, and squat racks and, and some machines and, and that's all you need. And we, and we go to work from there. Yeah, you, yeah, you guys do. Uh, I love that kind of kind of workout. Like it's you're spent after. Oh yeah, yeah, it's it's brutal. I <laughs> I've almost I've never like thrown up or wanted to throw up during a workout until I went there. Like just pound you into the into the dirt, which is is what you need to do. I think um, you know it, it's exciting. It's it's mentally good too. You know, I, I find going there working out really hard doing stuff. I was like, man, I don't think I can do that and find a way to do it. I think is good for me mentally as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you're at, uh, you're at the Wood Brothers now, obviously legendary team been around forever. Uh, what is the ultimate plan? If there is one, do you look at a guy like Blaney and say, Hey, I want to eventually end up at, at Penske. Um, what is, what is the plan? Are you, you content? Tell me about it. Yeah, well, I love racing for the Wood Brothers. If, you know, I was talking to someone the other day, it was like, if I could go to any team, like I would want to go race for the Wood Brothers because just the the group that is, you know, the leadership there, um, you know, we have an alliance with Penske, so we have fast race cars and we have mm -hmm. the history to go with it of of the Wood Brothers family and, and uh, putting on those Wood Brothers you know colors and we i have the same like style race suit that david pearson wore and like just all yeah. kinds of cool stuff like that that like to me as a nascar like i love all the history of it and everything and and uh you know i I've obviously have a racing family and, and know all about the wood brothers so for me driving for them is is really really cool and um you know i i really yeah i am pretty content where I'm at. I'd love to race. If I could draw it up perfectly, I'd love to race for Wood Brothers for my whole career. Um, cool. But, you know, I, I know that it's uh, kind of just, a, 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 you know, it's a business. And so it might not work out that way. It might work out that way. But, you know, if I could draw it up, that's how it would go. Right. How, like, I think, I, you know, I don't think non-racers can hear it enough or appreciate enough how important having good equipment is. Mm. 
like how like how important is that you know you've you've been in i'm sure good and bad equipment throughout your career yeah oh it's everything uh you know you see guys that um aren't in great equipment or or maybe it's it's even in, in cup everything's normally pretty good stuff but it's like just different levels to it right and and so you see guys that you know maybe for the rfk deal right roush yeah kind of struggled for a little bit keselowski comes on new car you know it it had some success and and look at chris busher right like you know i'm sure he was you know he's running that roush car for a while and and didn't have a lot of success and then the next gen car comes out and he's you know contending for wins pretty frequently and pretty fast and um you know, it's just, you know, the light switch, right? Oh, Chris Buescher got really good all of a sudden. And, yeah. uh, you know, he's, he's got a really good opportunity now and it's working out for him. And um, he's always been that good. And so, um, you, know, you see some stories like that where guys that, you know, don't even leave teams, but their team gets kind of, uh, whether it's the car change, I have no idea what made, you know, the, the Roush stuff get faster recently, but it has been. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you see those, those drivers reap the, the benefits of it as well. So, you know, I, I think for me, it's, it's not only is it important to, you know, oh yeah, I have this much downforce and I have an advantage because of that, but there's also a mental advantage of showing up to the racetrack and knowing, mm-hmm. oh, I have something that's fast. And so I'm going to really go for it. Right. So, um, there's, there's a mental game to that as well as a driver all you want is a chance when you show up to the racetrack that, you know, if I do my job, I can, Mike could win this race. Um, and, and that's all you really want. Yeah, for sure. There's something, yeah, that's what you want. You want to show up knowing that you have the car to beat like that is, there's no confidence like that. No, exactly. Sure. Yeah. Uh, talking about training, I saw you got a shifter cart. I yeah. love, uh, talking I have a bunch of buddies on the podcast who we grew up racing go-karts together and we always talk about just how insane. Oh man. Yeah. Do you, that's the hardest workout there is, is driving a shifter cart for like 20 minutes and you get out and it is just all you are spent after that. So yeah, that was one of the coolest. That's like, I think that's the fastest thing I've ever driven. Not like, you know, obviously not top speed, but like just the amount of, grip and like how hard you can drive a shifter cart is pretty unreal i hear people say it's like kind of one of the closer things to what an f1 car would be like i guess just scaled down and and i kind of believe it like it's just unreal that the speed that those things have and uh it's really as fast as you want to go it'll go it's just how how well you can you control it i guess yeah i think you know in my mind they're like they're some of the best training tools for sure like you get in that everything feels slow afterwards oh yeah and uh like the fat the harder you drive it like the better it wants to work like they're they're just insane and then you go and watch these you know the world finals in europe and these guys are their heads not even moving around it looks like they're just in like a four-stroke go-kart being real smooth it's crazy crazy. yeah those guys are crazy i i've uh you know go i went for a, a lot especially in the off season last year and, and was there like almost every week I was at the, the go-kart track with a group of buddies. And, uh, yeah, it was unreal. Like we first got our car, our shifter carts and we were like just kind of creeping up on it and learning. And then, you know, once one of us went fast, it was like, yeah. 
chaos, right? And so uh, <laughs> just trying to push the limits of those cards, you find yourself, uh, for me, I found myself out of breath, like grunting, like, you know, wanting to be just, I don't know, just trying to ring that card out is, is pretty fun for sure. Right. Uh, so you growing up, you your dad and your uncle were both cop guys. Uh, do they have? Uh, is it just the two of them? Uh, there's a there's a middle brother, Brian. Um, okay. Yep. So my dad um, and Ward both were running go karts, and so was my uncle Brian as well. Uh, and my uncle Brian was in go karts better than more than my dad uh one more state championships you know one more races um they say he was the best driver when they were growing up yes so yeah they, they say he was the best driver of the group and then the time came for them to go kind of race late models or whatever it might be and and they kind of my dad and uncle really had to scrounge stuff together to kind of make that happen and um my uncle brian was like man this kind of seems dumb like what are you guys doing? And and so he went and took over. Uh, my family's from a really small town in Virginia called South Boston, mm. Virginia. Um, and my uh, great grandpa had a construction company that my grandpa had. And now my uncle Brian is in charge of. And uh, so he runs a construction company in South Boston. And um, I'm actually like, uh, my middle name is Brian. So I'm partially named after him. He's an awesome, awesome guy for sure. Hmm. That's funny. That's a, that's a good story there that you just got to keep going, even if you're not not the fastest brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. So Brian, he always like every Christmas, he's like, yeah, whoop these boys in go karts. You know, he <laughs> always will bring that out every now and then. So he's a he's an awesome guy. And it, it's not like it, it didn't work out for him either. He's he's doing some really cool stuff with a construction company that, you know, our family started. And, and that's important to to him. So. It's not like, you know, he's sitting on the sidelines like, oh, I wish I should have, would have, could have. I don't think he's that way. And, uh, but it, it is, it is a, a good little funny story for sure of like, it's crazy how some things work out. Mm -hmm. So you have these role models, like your whole life in, in your dad and ward. And what does that do for your perception of cup drivers? Does that, you know, like the the guy who has no connection to the sport sitting at home these guys might be like superheroes but you know you your two of your family members are doing it does that hey these are regular guys or is it still a little bit like oh man these guys are superheroes uh i always thought my dad was like a superhero when i was a kid i thought he was you know the toughest guy the coolest guy I was, you know how every kid like kind of argues about yeah. that in school like, oh, yeah, my yeah, yeah. Than your dad. i was definitely that kid um so I, I felt like what they were doing was really awesome but then you know i think on the other side of that like i grew up and i would you know my dad would was friends with clint boyer or kevin harvick or, or whoever it might be would come in the motorhome and i would be in there just hanging out and would mess with them or whatever uh, talk to them. And, and now some of those guys are still racing and I'm racing against like Harvick, for example, his teammates yeah. with my dad. And now, uh, I race against him every weekend. It's, it's pretty cool. So on one hand, I think it, it, it made it easier for me to just go up and talk to some guys. And I feel like I've put myself in some good situations and learned some things just because I was, 
you know, not really afraid to go up and ask questions to someone like, like a Harvick or, or a Keselowski or whatever, just cause I've known them since I was born yeah. really. Um, and so that's been an advantage to me is like, I know some guys that get to cup and, and you kind of are like, ah, oh, you know, nervous to talk to these guys. Right. Cause you're right. They, you know, you look up to these guys and, and, uh, I certainly did and, and wanted to be like them. And, um, it's kind of nerve wracking, right. To go and try and beat them or go and try and talk to them about something. And, and so there was an advantage there for sure, where I felt like I was able to just go up and be like, Hey, Kevin, what do you think about this? And, and talk to him and, and learn some things. And, um, you know, they're, they've been really receptive to me as well and answering questions and, uh, it's been, it's been good. So you, on your, uh, on your social media is something to prove and you accompany almost every other post or something like with that. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me about that. When did that, when did you become conscious of that, that, that you did have to prove something? Um, I think, uh, that that started when I was in uh, K and N um, in the NASCAR Next program with you and and uh, <laughs> you know I was uh, I think I you know went my first year and didn't run very good and I felt like I had like I had something to prove I knew I I could do better and and not really to prove that everyone else more to mm -hmm. myself right is you show up to the racetrack and and you know you have a, a intensity and, and a goal set. And you have to prove to yourself that you can do it. And so I think that's what that's kind of about. And um, I started winning once I started using that hashtag. And so after that, I'm like, well, I can't yeah. stop now. So it's just kind of carried on and it's kind of halfway cheesy and corny, yeah. right? But uh, I was like, oh, it's good luck. So I'm going to keep keep ripping it off. So we'll see. We'll see if it if it eventually will, will help me out along the well, way. Well, when uh, so when when have you proven it when you win a cup championship? I don't know. I, I actually have never even thought about that. Like to me, I think it's just to the next step, right? Right now, the next step is I want to make the playoffs in the cup, you know, in the cup mm -hmm. season. Uh, I want to uh, run well consistently. So that's what I have to prove to myself that I can do. And then after that, I want to prove to myself that I can win these races. And then after you kind of win some races, then it's, it's another stair step and, and your goals change, right? Um, and so for me, it's just the next step of the, of the, of the path. And, and, uh, you can't just, you know, it's very, very rare that someone comes into cup and just mm -hmm. wins, right? Like it's happened very few times. And so, uh, you know, understanding that this is, uh, going to be a, a marathon, not a sprint. And, and I want to, obviously you kind of have to sprint or you're not going to stay sure. around, uh, but you, you know, set your goals and try and improve and, and, um, you know, just try and earn your spot. And then from there, try and, you know, win some races. And then from there go and go and maybe you can win a championship. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, it's not my goal right now. When I wake up is I'm not thinking I want to be a cup champion right now. It's, I want to run well at Richmond and how am I going to do that? And the rest of the stuff will kind of fall. For sure. Now you're, you're still such a young guy in the sport. Do you think about, like after the sport or, or what the criteria would be for you to not run anymore? Like, I mean, I'm assuming the goal is to run until whatever you're 50 and, and then you kind of retire, but you know, would you, you know, say you, say you had to go, you know, later on into like a back marker team or something, how many years would you run around in 30th before you said, Hey, I'm, I'm done with this. 
Probably not many. I've had a taste of winning and I've had a taste of good equipment and, and showing, you know, that feeling of going to the racetrack with a goal to go and try and win or run well or compete. Um, it, and I just don't see myself getting excited to get up and, and go and run a back marker if there's not a future yeah. there. Right now, I'm not saying if say, say, you know, say I, I lose my, my ride. Right. And, and I have really, no options. I'm not going to say no, sure. because you never know. You look at Ross Chastain. Um, you know, this guy was in, um, uh, some, some pretty bad race cars for yep. years. And now look at him because he didn't give up. Right. So if I feel like there's no future for me to have a chance to go and, and try and compete or whatever it might be, I don't see myself being as motivated and as excited and, and, could see myself kind of falling out of love with it because I've the, the thing that gets me excited about racing is yeah. competing, not really just driving <laughs> yeah. the car. And so I, you know, I, I don't know. That's a hard question to answer because I don't feel like I'm the kind of person that would give up right. either. Right. I don't feel like I, you know, you look and you never know how it could go. So I don't know. I, I could see myself definitely being pretty upset if, if that happens and, and, you know, having myself, I feel like I would have, I don't know, had this opportunity and, and mm. squandered it, right, and and end up in a situation where I have to kind of go rebuild myself. Um, that would be upsetting. So I want to I want to try and focus yeah. on it now. But if that does happen, you know, I, I could see myself doing it for a long time as well to try and get back to this, right? So there's really, you know, I have to see where where it goes if that ever happens, and if it does, I'll I'll try and make the best of it, whichever decision. So you ran. Uh the gt4 that was at daytona mm -hmm. uh did you enjoy that did you like sports car racing it was fun yeah it was super fun uh it was honestly uh much which seems backwards but i felt like it was more relaxed than what i do week in and week For out sure. and uh felt like it would be you know kind of you know everyone's sitting up straight and, and very serious <laughs> yeah. and and sports car right like nascar guy in my head yeah. right like very not, fancy food not, nice catering yeah tent. exactly <laughs> and it wasn't really like that um it was a lot like going and just racing with you know i had a friend uh zane smith and i were kind of uh we're co-drivers so i was splitting the seat with a, a a good buddy of mine and and uh you know, we, we ended up winning. So that was really cool. And, and it was just a, a really fun experience. And, uh, the cars are fun to drive. Those, those GC four cars, you can really drive pretty hard. And, um, the ABS stuff is, is, uh, pretty exciting, makes life a lot easier. And so you can just drive <laughs> in there and hammer the brakes and not have to worry about locking up. So like, I know you're not really supposed to use the ABS as much as you, you can, but like as NASCAR guys, I think me and Zane were both like, if we got it, we're going to just use this stuff. So we were hammering the brakes really hard and, uh, it, it worked out good obviously with, with the win, but it was, uh, it was pretty fun. So if you, uh, if you were not allowed for whatever, you know, theoretical reason to run cup, what other series would you say, Hey, I want to go do that for a living? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, you know, obviously, I so other than like the top three NASCAR yeah. series, like I when I ran Xfinity, I thought that was like the most fun car I've ever driven. Honestly, hmm. it was like super low grip, high horsepower. Um, you know, and you could just have those things cross up sideways and drive them that way, and it was it was pretty fun. So I enjoyed those cars a lot. 
Um, but if I, you know, I, I guess, I guess the, the GT cars would be really fun, you know, like the GT4, GT3 stuff. I enjoyed that. I'm not really as, uh, I never really grew up road racing ever. Um, you know, I, it's been the last five years where I've kind of had to learn road racing and, uh, you know, so <laughs> I don't know if I would be as good at it, but, um, yeah, I, I definitely enjoy running those cars. And so I, I could see myself doing that. Yeah. What do you, what do you, um, you know, cause I came from it the opposite way only ever road racing and then like really later in life doing my first oval and running ovals and it was like oh mm -hmm. shit man this is a different sport altogether like racing ovals yeah. compared to you know i can relax my fingers take three deep breaths down the back straight uh, on a road course but you know i've got tears streaming across my face you know and snot across my <laughs> face because i'm hanging on in this little bullring turning left um do you yeah. think do you say one's harder harder than the other or at least maybe harder like physically or mentally? I think mentally to me the ovals are are more challenging. Um I think physically the road courses are much more mm. challenging. Uh the cup cars are so hot and so out of control. So you are just sawing on the wheel. Um yeah, we've got the sequential shifter which um, you know, so you're rowing through a lot of gears, uh, you know, at Coda this weekend, there was a lot of drivers that looked pretty red mm. coming out of their race car and were pretty tired. And, uh, you know, it, it was, it was, it was a physical weekend this weekend. So, um, you know, that was, I think one, you know, one of the harder tracks physically is Coda too, just cause the S's are really demanding and, and you go up all this elevation change and you can drive so hard cause there's a lot of grip. Um, the only real break is the backstretch. So, um, you know, that, that was pretty physically hard. And then I've found myself like racing, for example, like Daytona or, or somewhere, I guess, you know, where you're using the draft yeah. a lot. I found myself being mentally like fatigued after those races and not being able to like, almost not being able to process things as well after those races, just cause your, your brain's like, all right, I'm done. I want to shut down. Um, at least mine is that my brain might not be able to handle as much as some other guys, but, uh, you know, it was, it was, uh, you know, pretty mentally demanding to do those kind of races. And then, you know, you go to the short tracks and the mile and a half and it's kind of a mixture of both. And, um, that's kind of, I guess. My yeah. Yeah. I thought the short tracks were just insane mentally, like just, you know, no time to regroup. You, you have to be so no, tough. Yeah. And, and you can, work yourself into being physically tired mentally i've found like you can raise your heart rate <laughs> mentally and and make your make your day a lot harder than it needs to be yeah. for sure so i steal this question from uh from junior all the time just because i love these stories uh it doesn't have to be you it can be someone you heard of or a, a different team or whatever what's the best innovation or cheating story that you can remember Ooh. oh there's a lot uh man <laughs> i don't i don't know my so my late model stuff we never really cheated very much or anything like that uh i will say the one that was really kind of funny uh and and as a driver kind of in the nascar stuff you don't really ever know about uh nowadays they don't really like to tell us what's gonna be you know because we talk on podcasts yeah, exactly. right so, uh <laughs> you don't so even they, know they how they cheated up your car is <laughs> exactly so 
keep me out of the loop on that stuff. And, and uh, the Wood Brothers, actually, they very notorious for, like, back in the day, trying to do some really cool stuff. And, and now I think we play it pretty straight down the line. But, um, you know, the, the one that was really funny was um, last two years ago at Phoenix, uh, I was in an Xfinity car, and uh, I, we had these little bleeder valves on the valve stems of the tires to go through the LIS deal. So it wasn't even to run on the racetrack, but it was to change the cambers for the, the reads of the, the laser okay. scanner. Uh, and so the series director uh, walks up right to it and changes this little valve stem. And just you hear, I was sitting there. I had no idea. I was like, what is he doing? On your car. Tightens it. And I hear, oh, boy. oh yeah. I hear air coming out of the tire the more he tightens it. And then kind of loosens it, stops coming out. I was like, Ooh, this is going to be bad. So, uh, had to start, had to start, uh, from last. I thought I was going to have to start from pit road and go like a couple laps down, but, oh yeah. So we got a a penalty for that. It was the last race of the year. And, uh, we were just, I guess, trying stuff just to see how it went. And, uh, someone either told them or he was just had a feeling and literally walked right to the the wheel and, you know, first thing he did so i don't know if someone told on us that saw it or what but it was uh it was pretty pretty interesting and and uh yeah i was worried i was coming off of you know i was getting ready to uh go to cup next year and i was like man i i hope i hope that i don't get like suspended or something off of this deal so uh it, it worked out though it was, it was it was all good and and i just had to start from last yeah i, I have a feeling someone told him if he walked straight to it Oh yeah, yeah. So, so I, now my crew chief this year and last year as well was Austin Sendrick's crew chief in right. Xfinity, and so I always tell him, like, I know you were the one that told on us." So I, I always give him a hard time for that. Dude. Right. What? Uh, and I guess before I let you go, you know, you've you've made it to the highest level in racing in in NASCAR. What kind of advice? would you give young guys who who want to do it uh who have that goal uh you know who are in whatever level of racing right now yeah i think i think whatever level you're at don't take that for granted and give that your biggest effort i think that's the biggest advice is i found myself thinking man i want to be in this level and you forget about the one that you're at Mm. right now and, and if you are not focused at the one level that you're at right now, someone who is focused on that level will come and kind of take your lunch. And then that will be the guy that gets, you know, wins a bunch of races and might get an opportunity, right? And so even if you win a bunch of races in this sport, there's not really any guaranteed opportunities. And, and there's not really, I just don't think that there's any, you know, path to guaranteed success, right? And, and guaranteed, yep, you're going to make it to cup if you win this race and do this, right? It's not like the NFL where, you know, if you throw a, a, a lot of, you know, a lot of touchdowns in college, you're probably going to yep. get drafted, right? It's, it's not really that way. And so I think if you're in a race car of some kind, I think don't ever take that for granted and focus 100% of your effort into that um and and doing the best you can and whatever you're in and then the results will come and then the results don't guarantee opportunities but they sure as you know sure as heck make it a lot better chance to to get a a chance right 
And, and all you have to do is win the right race in front of the right person's eyes and do the right things on a certain day. And, and it could change your life. Um, you know, for, for a lot of guys, for me, it was probably easier to get in front of people because, you know, my dad was who he was. He's well-connected and, and has, you know, friends in the industry. And, and I was kind of able to, you know, I had to win races, but my races that I won, people sure. heard about. And so that helped me. Um, but, you know, if, if you, I think as a young guy, it's easy to be like, eh, you know, I just want to be doing something else. And, and you'll lay your head down at night one day and kind of regret not giving it a hundred percent in whatever you were in, mm. I think. Yeah, that's a good answer for sure. For sure. Do, uh, are you going to, now that you're a cup guy and you're like stupid busy, are you going to still get out, uh, hunting with your uncle there? <laughs> so I was just, my cousin Jeb, uh, was just Snapchatting me. He sent me a picture of a turkey and said, do you want to go in a yeah. couple of weeks? And, uh, so I guess, I guess I'm getting ready to go turkey hunting with Jeb. So yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm going to still try and get out and cup schedule is certainly busy and, and, uh, really takes up 95% of my time. Uh, but I, I try and, you know, you, if you don't get out and enjoy some stuff, I think you're going to burn yourself out of this deal pretty quickly. So I try and still have fun and, and hang out with family and do the right things. And, um, you know, it's been fun. I've, I've gotten to know my cousin Jeb a lot more recently than, uh, maybe I did when we were kids. Cause he grew up in Virginia and I grew up in North Carolina. And so, uh, now that we're both kind of racing in the same, you know, towns every weekend and, and hanging out more, it's been, it's been fun to get to know him. So I've enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, through getting to know him, getting to know my uncle Ward and, and, and that side of the family better is, has been cool. Yeah. No, those are uh, pretty good guys to uh, take you out hunting. <laughs> Another deal, man. That's, that's, that's all they think about is, is the outdoors. Yeah, so that's good. Uh, it's, 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 it's very right cool, on, man. Well, I'll let you go. Um, appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. Uh, good luck. Yeah, no Always cheering on the, the 21 good looking car. Thanks, Gary. Appreciate it, buddy. All right, that was Harrison Burton. If you guys enjoyed this podcast, give it a rating. Share it with some friends. Share it on your social media. Really appreciate you guys listening.